Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the Storied Arcs podcast. I am your host, Mike. And I'm your host, Alex. Now, we are typically a book club-style read-along podcast. However, the thing we just finished reading along with was Paper Girls, and it had a successful release on Amazon TV. So we're taking a special episode to talk about that in light of having just read the book. Now, obviously, if you're only a fan of the show and you haven't read the books, we have spoiled the books in full in our review. I don't think we're going to have a warning. Uh, like, if we speculate on the future of the show, we could be ruining it based on source material. However, the departures from the source material have been significant enough that I think you can now discuss the books completely without ruining the show. What do you think of that? I think so. I think... Um... Uh, the, the, there may be uh, small. It, it all depends on what you think a spoiler is. You know, That's the, true. It, 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 if if we say we speculate in uh, in any potential future se- future seasons, kind of what what timelines these girls may jump into, what what different past or present or something like that, based on the comic, and we get that right, and maybe we get what they do there. Maybe they, the show changes the specifics in that timeline but if we get accurately guess quote unquote that they go to a certain timeline based on the comic and you think that's a spoiler then yeah you're gonna apologies, this apologies off yeah. the bat just yeah. come back to this in a couple yeah. years after the whole show is finished but i think the ending ultimately will be the same i hope so and to me the ending that you can't spoil that ending because the ending was something in the book that seemed so mundane and is only meaningful after the journey And uh, the journey being significantly altered, I don't think will change the ending because while they're changing major beats, the vibe is still intact. Yeah, 100%. Um, Okay, so let's start a thousand foot view. On Rotten Tomatoes at the moment, I believe it's 85% uh, certified fresh. Maybe 87 is what it was up to now, uh, both with audience and critics. And that's encouraging because it started out it's 89 with critics 84 with audience that's kind of an unusual bend to get fewer audience you know positive ratings than uh critics however uh as a borderline snob i tend to like critic ratings more than audience ratings i want to defer to you because the the next time i go to rotten tomatoes will be the first time um so yeah i i don't care one bit for their their ag- aggregation of reviews, their thoughts on anything. And by their thoughts, I mean the general public's thoughts. I really don't care uh, okay. one bit. Um, but uh, just but. So if you had to, not that I will yeah. fill this out on your behalf, but if you had to submit, uh, and you can use half stars, I believe, zero to five stars, season one, Paper Girls. Uh, I think four. Four, okay. I think four, yeah. Um. I think it's a very I, I I enjoyed it immensely because as you said at the top the they nailed the vibe right the feel is right yeah um any and whatever some of the maybe nitpicks that I might have which I think we'll discuss in a little bit I think they're all things I can a I can rationalize at this point and I can see a way for them to address them in future seasons now if it came to pass in future seasons that they don't resolve those things that would then kind of retroact- retroactively change how I feel about some of the things they've introduced and changed. But if they are addressed, and, and maybe it, it, they, and they don't have to be addressed. Yeah, you can retcon your rating. Yeah, yeah. yeah if, if, but there are kind of open questions and, and on decisions that they made storytelling-wise that I'm unsure of now, as of the point now, but 
I can see a way that they can resolve those things to mm. which I would then either then, okay, I can, I see why they did that. I get it because they were setting this up down the line. If they don't get a chance to resolve those things on the line or they never do, then yeah, then, then it can, it can change them. But I'd say I, for now, I'd say, I'd say four. Okay. Yeah. And I think I'm going to do four and I have basically two specific reasons that each lost half a star. Okay. Uh, and the first being, uh, the Rock'em Sock'em robot fight, uh, I thought just looked awful. <laughs> it, and it was so unnecessary, and it looked really bad. They had bad VFX most of the way through the show, which I understand. It's a TV show. It's low budget. This is kind of, you know, it's an indie comic book. They're not doing, like, a Spider-Man for Amazon Prime. This is an indie comic book. And, you know, they work within the budget they have. Hopefully they get a little bit better budget. But when you compare this to, say, in the indie comic adaptation of Sweet Tooth, which I thought, you know, was just beautifully shot, beautiful uh, scenery and everything else. And, you know, visual effects all over the place for hybrids. Uh, I thought that looked a lot better than this looked. Well, a, a lot of the hybrids, specifically Sweet Tooth, I mean, that was practical. He was... Right. He was wearing ears and an antler. And, and there's antlers. nothing that would have stopped them from doing more practical things here, aside from maybe time and money. Um, but anyway. Well, that, well, hold, it, hold up. No, well, I, I mean, I would say yes, except the two main, the, the biggest VFX things they did that I think were iffy were the robots and then the dinosaurs at the end, which they only put in the final episode. Like, Yes. Well, I mean, I think you're not going to do that practically. You're not going to have giant pterodactyls flying around. I well, mean, I would like that, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they could have had a huge, you know, practical head and CGI the body on. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, when yeah, it goes yeah. to chomp a person. Um, but yeah. anyway, yeah. Uh, anyway, so that was one knock. The second knock is that overall, I was completely floored and just blown away by the acting, especially of our four main characters. However. I thought it started a little rocky in the first episode. Like it seemed like they were just finding their groove, and I kind of wonder if uh, once they had found the groove, was it worth maybe going back and doing some reshoots for some of the earliest interactions where the girls seemed a little shaky and things like that. Uh, again, uh, I sound like the nitpicky production executive who's like, uh, "Why don't we just go spend a bunch more money?" And it's probably like, "Nope, we have the budget we have." You know, Lord of the Rings got all the money this year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, 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 if, if you're wondering where Amazon spent the money, it's definitely in Middle Earth. Is it true that they spent a billion dollars on that show? Uh, yes, but I think that that figure includes the amount they paid to get the rights. Okay. So okay. W- w- when when it's talked about as being the most expensive yeah. show ever, it is. It will. They spent a lot in production, but apparently also in terms of acquiring the rights so they the could life do it. rights of everything. To yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is no, why just, it comes to buy. I remember. One of my favorite podcasters, Jason Concepcion, saying that the trailer for it looked like a billion dollars, and the reason is because it cost them a billion dollars yeah, yeah, to make yeah, yeah. that. And I was like, wow, can that really be true? So anyway. The, 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 um, Amazon will spend significantly more on that show than they did on, on the, the, the CG for Paper Girls. But, and, and I said, I, I think that's a, that's a fine point. Yeah, the, the mech fight wasn't great. The, the dinosaurs didn't look great. For me, though, again, like I, I, I'm, I don't really care about that. Like, unless, so I don't get hung up on like a lot of people are nitpicking like yeah. every shot from every Marvel movie now, yeah. and I'm like, Marvel looks fine for what it is. Yeah. Like, it's not trying to be, uh, you know, this art house thing. A lot of them are popcorn flicks, and they are 
real enough to keep me in the moment. Yeah. I mean, uh, and some yeah. of the Paper Girls stuff looked so bad, I fell out of the moment. And you remember you're watching TV, like when you see the pterodactyl. I, 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 I guess for me, it's a matter of like, it, it, if the if the visual effects are critical to what's happening and to the storytelling, like it'll be important in Middle Earth and in, in Lord of the Rings for this sure. stuff. There, it's not important that the dinosaurs look like dinosaurs in Paper Girls. What's important is that right. there are dinosaurs. And I wouldn't need to be there. Right. And, so, and I would never tank the yeah. overall score because of that. Yeah. To me, it was like those are two things that I don't think they can you know pick up or clean up later in terms yeah. of season one. I think for me, it's locked at four stars and that t- is a great rating yeah uh meaning like i keep refreshing my phone waiting to see season two announced i'm like I'm, 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 what, what I'm, are they waiting for i don't know i don't know hopefully by the time this podcast comes out it'd be they will announce season it'd two. be great yeah no i i'm i'm i'm, I'm desperate for season two um, i think i think they've, they've they've done a lot of smart things in terms of in terms of in terms of Kind of the edits they made, the tweaks they made, the storytelling. Yes. I think I think it was it was in it was very important that they kept um, all four of the girls together in the same place at the same time for the entire season, and then we split them up. Right, and in, and in, strategic a, it, pairings, yes, and yeah. presumably different times. So let's just get yeah, straight into sure. that. Uh, let's talk about the scrambles to the plot. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, to me, the important thing is not that they hit every page, every panel, every beat, uh, but that they uphold the crucial elements of storytelling. And so one that I want to get your take on is uh, I believe this has the same philosophy of time travel that we discussed in episode one of the book recast. Kind of like a determinism. What has happened has already happened. You're just playing it out. And my... Main proof text for that would be the fact that uh, young Tiff can confront double O Tiff about future Tiff, and that presumably young Tiff being there is what sets 2019 Tiff up for success. Yes. Um, Which it's, you know, again, small, tiny changes. They changed the future time from 2016 to 2019. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they wanted to do pre pandemic, so they didn't have to answer questions of like, what about COVID? Yeah. Yeah. and they, and but so, why and change it? They get rid of the Hillary Clinton line, which I loved when they saw their campaign signs yeah, in 2016. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that was just too soon for some folks. Okay. Uh, the other thing they do, well, they, they they jump in 20, uh, 1999. right? To, to, so you don't have Y two K, yeah, yeah, and you can't yeah. technically call her Double O Tiff. Yeah, she's nineteen ninety nine Tiff. Now. Yeah, yeah ninety nine yeah, Tiff. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't sound quite as good. Uh, but also, I think by doing that though, because again, what we saw, what we saw in Volume Four when they jumped to. January 1st, 2000, is that like the world has ended because that's when the old watch and or the the old timers in the comic, the old timers and the teens, like they're having a giant battle there. So the right. world did end. Which is the Rock'em Sock'em robot yeah, fight. On a much larger scale. Like that, that, that decimate, like that destroys the entire city there. Right. So it does still happen there. Um, but, but again, the, the idea is that. It's, I mean, everything's destroyed and then it's all fixed because they go and erase everybody's memory. And that, you know, that, and then that's the loophole they have in terms of the, um, you know, what they explain uh, in the show, this kind of the predetermined loop, the idea of when they, uh, when they heard the walkie talkie, you know, that, right. The and that back was, and forth. that yeah. cemented it for me. Yeah. yeah. It, it's the idea that, yeah, uh, events in the future affect events in the past. And the reason you can do all this and, not of any paradoxes is because 
everybody's mind gets wiped. So you don't remember any of it. Right. So it, it, it's their, that's their get out of jail free card in terms of, in terms yeah. of how these time loops happen. Which is very effective mm-hmm. and shows the meticulous planning. Yeah. Uh, the walkie talkie, her hearing her own voice in the walkie talkie. Yeah. Uh, and realizing that the voice she heard in the first episode was herself uh, was, I thought, the best twist of the knife in terms of storytelling. Like, that really showed you, oh, this is the situation we're in now um, in terms of the story. So, yeah. uh, anyway, that, that's um, – I do think it upholds that um, – it's like a modified determinism. You know, yeah. it's, it's not as callous yeah. – uh, as like a purely stoic determinism. Uh, and as we know from the ending, there does seem to be one little change that they let slide through uh, when uh, uh, Wari, you know, comes back and they all become friends. Oh, and yeah. She yeah. saves their lives from a car accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she drives away smiling like, yeah. okay, that's the one acceptable tweak to the timeline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a, even in the show, though, again, it, it, it's a little unclear because as we jump to the the very end there, you know, the whole thing about we I think we'll discuss Pryorus a little more in, in detail, but when she makes her turn at the end and is trying to set the girls free, it, it, the assumption is her her plan is she's gonna send a young she's version change of Tiff. Everything. She's gonna send a young version of Tiff into Tiffany's future, which is their past, so that she stops herself from founding the institute and and thus, you know creating the circumstances, the environment to then create time travel. So even, even people in the watch there are, are at least Pryorus is under the assumption of we can stop this from ever happening by going back and stopping it from ever happening. If we, if we change that, then none of this ever happens and then it's all good. We're good to go. Even though that is explicitly uh, against the mission statement of the watch and, and the group that she has been, she's a part of. Yeah. Well, I mean, we don't have a, a formal structure for this, so let's go ahead and talk about priorities. Okay. Um, yeah. We changed her death, uh, not mm-hmm. killed by mm-hmm. uh, the teens, but killed by the old watch for turning on them. Yeah. Instead of it sending grandfather into a vindictive rage, yeah. he turns into a spiteful rage against her. Yeah. Uh, so pretty serious beat twists. Yeah. And she was the driving force. Well, this is, uh, you know, think, she was the T-1000 that well, they were I all looking over their shoulder it, for. In terms of story tweaks, it, it, it's personified in, in, um, in priors. But I think this is the biggest change is that they really forefront, the show really forefronts the time war. And it makes that not only important, but it actually makes it important to the girls because Throughout the comic, they're involved in in the time war because they, they, they get pulled into it. But it's never it's never their mission right. to be involved with it. They're just they're basically bystanders caught up in it. They just want to go home. The, the the one thing they've done now is is they they've specifically made Tiffany where Tiffany is now like, hey, listen, we we have to we have to help these people. We have to do this. This is important. They died for us. Blah blah blah. Um, and actually making that a focal point and actually making that important. Um, it is an interesting change also because um, the watch or the, the, the old timers in the comic or the old, we'll call them the old watch. That's what the show calls them. Like they're pretty explicitly evil from what we've shown. Like they, yes. They, they, uh, uh, so because, because, but that was also my impression through the first three or four traits. Well, but, 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 but one thing, one thing that you mentioned a lot um, as we discussed 
the uh, the the comic itself was the idea of shifting perspective that we we simply assume that our young teenagers are the heroes that that right. that that Jude Heck and Naldo they're the good guys because we meet them first and they save our paper girls first impression bias yeah. and Google so, it, people and so they so then the old timers are the bad guys but then as you go along you think okay maybe they're not so much maybe they're not you're less clear on who's on the right side or the wrong side. It's less about who's the good guys, who's the bad guys and more about, okay, well, like they kind of have a point. Both yes. Kind of have so a point. so and, to and me, I would summarize it this way is that, uh, the teens, the future teens, Hecknaldo, that group, uh, what do they call them in the show? Uh, the, the uh, STF the or something. STF standard time fighters. Yeah. Yes. The, the underground. We'll call them the underground. Okay. The underground. I think they, do bad things for good reasons and the old watch does uh good things for bad reasons it's kind of they're they're kind of inverted yeah like yeah one of them has the right motive and the other one has the right action and sure yeah, so it's yeah. like on one hand you can be sympathetic with the old timers because i do believe what grandfather tells with the tape analogy which yeah. i love showing yes sticking that in early well yeah we'll t- yeah um, we'll, we'll, we'll touch explaining on that. what they're doing uh, I do think that's true in their universe. Yeah. I do think the timeline deteriorates the more they travel. Obviously, we haven't gotten to it in the show yet, but it actually causes you diseases and will kill you if yeah. you're the one time traveling. So the old timers are uh, old watch, sorry, are trying to stop the teens from doing this to protect the timeline. However, uh, they are so callous about it. They are so like stoic. Uh, and lifeless in their presentation of themselves. Like, they're so convinced that what they're doing is right, they do not feel the need to defend themselves or do PR work. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, uh, plus you have the ability to wipe people's mind, which really... Doesn't really matter, well, yeah. yeah. wipes out the PR department. Yeah. It, <laughs> um, it saves having to do image rehab there. But um, no, but I, I still think it is interesting, though, that up until up until Priorus turns, when when after they've, they've taken the four paper girls up to the cathedral, and she made... Because it, it's hearing... That 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 one of the girls is 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 Tiffany Quicklin. You know, she yes. gets that name, and that triggers something. Okay, but up until that point, they are ostensibly they're they're the black cats. They're they're obviously evil. Um, the scene when um, when grandfather orders his dinosaur to to eat Larry, and and he you know and at the end he turns around and is like you. You saw, I, I gave him every chance, right? Like right. I gave him, like, like and that that's totally what I wasn't mean, my fault. With the callous yeah, attitude, exa- yes. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, but that's contrasted, I think, with the fact that um, our our younger t- teen time travelers, which in this case are just Heck and Naldo, like they have a combined like four minutes of screen time. Like they're they're entirely breezed through, you know, they're, um, we got so much less even than I thought we were going to get. I thought we 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 gotten two episodes in the eighties with those kids. It's we got we got less than one. And they so, didn't save Aaron's life. Uh, well, they did, they, but they, they didn't do it through time travel. Well, well, they, and they, the they, thing in the basement. Well, they, but but they 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 saved her life the same way with the um the whatever the, nanobots. the nanobugs. Yeah. But instead of having to go to the way future and their warehouse full of stuff. The house. Yeah. yeah. They had the stuff there to, to, to get from the nanobots and then take her back. That's just something that like they have. So they, but it, 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 by not showing any of those teens and by taking all of their exposition, like they took all of that out of their mouths and gave it to 
the Larry character, the Nate Cordry character. And yeah. they took all the exposition from Charlotte, the cartoonist, in the year 2000 in, in volume four. They basically took all of that exposition of what the time war is, what they're doing, what the foldings are, all that stuff. They gave it all to one character. And so by doing that, we because we now spend no time with, with Heck and Naldo and all we hear are what the the STF has to say about them, what 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 Larry has to say and all that. Um it, it makes the the old watch seem that much more black and white evil. But the the thing I and and that's one of the things that I bumped on is like how how important the show seemed to make that because ultimately in, you know, we discuss in, in the final arc of the of the comic, like it's not about any of that stuff. Right. Like the 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 time war is the thing that happens, and and it, it's only important in the idea that it could affect our four main characters, and that they might forget each other. They might forget this this whole adventure, right. and they might forget their friendship. That's what's important about it. The war is meaningless, and so to foreground that and have it re- very much well, be, and teach stay the on guys theme, the bad guys. We can also say that the war is already over. Yes, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah and it yeah. seems like Wari knows that. From the begin, not <clears throat> not when you meet her in ten thousand BC. No, old no. Wari when, when, seems to know like when they, I've gazed into the future and seen the end of the war. Yeah, yeah. When, and when, we know how it ends, and it's these four girls. That's in that's in volume five when they jump to right. the twenty second century. And there, grandfather yeah. seems to know that too, because he says in volume two, like the the whole future rides on these four girls or something like that. Well, but I know I, and I, I, never I, I explains what I, he means by that. I don't think he knows that it's over. I, I think he knows that that. Um, they're the key to setting things right now. How that in, in terms okay. of in terms of fixing the timeline, in terms of having right. it not break apart. I think that's I think that's what that line was supposed to be about. Um, but the the thing that I mentioned about potentially in fu- future seasons, maybe rectifying this is is a a quick kind of throwaway line that Prioress says um, after as she's leading the girls out of their cell or whatnot. She says, you know, I was about your age when I joined the Watch. You know, and the um, the STF terror. She calls them terrorists. Yeah. They invaded and just massacred everybody. Just assuming if you're with the watch, you're bad. You had to die. And so I wonder if the show goes on and we get multiple seasons that we'll get more of that backstory and we'll see more of our of our of the STF of those teens and we'll see them be less white hatish. They'll be less chivalrous. We'll see maybe how dirty their hands have gotten to help change some of that perspective. Right. Cause we've set it up now because we saw so little of them. I and agree. Just the yeah. Good guys. I, I think you have to shift the balance exactly. to show that on, on, you know, a case could be made that either party is worthy of the girl's support. Yeah. But the stronger case is that neither. Ex- yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. You, yeah, you, you, um, you, you have to, you have to like, they can't just blindly throw their allegiance toward the good guys. Yeah. I, I think um, you have to get to a point with, with the four girls essentially where they stop caring about the war. Because that is not, this is not, it's not that it's not important to them. It, it, it's just that, yeah, they, they don't see either side as being totally right in either way. Right. And and that is something that the, the, the comic establishes fairly quickly. And I can understand from a, a dramatic standpoint of multiple seasons, you want to draw this out of, you can set up one thing in season one, and then you can flip it in, in, in season two. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden you are now questioning that you, I guess the, um, the, you, the audience, and you, the uh, the four paper girls, would then now question everything they knew about the STF. And wait, these guys were helping us, and they did help us, right. but 
in the end, it was someone from the old watch who helped us. You know, she was risking it to try and, and try and end this thing, you know, and now we're seeing maybe maybe they they ve- maybe they run into younger versions of Heck and Naldo and maybe they see that they're not so great. They're not so chivalrous. Yeah. And then said so that then changes, well, should we even trust these guys? You know, because they only met them like quite literally like thirty seconds. You know, that's they, true. They in thirty seconds, the they scooped by the car. They saw them the get machine. killed yeah. by stormtroopers, and yeah. they saved Aaron's life. Yeah, two very strong statements. Yes. It's like, yeah. you know, some yeah. some people with laser guns dressed in white don't yeah. look like good guys. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. marching into the woods, shooting people, yeah. and coming after you. So you, 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 I'm not you're not faulting them for for siding with them. They've given them. They, yeah, to which point, again, yeah. I, I think is true to the books. Yeah. I think the books. Yeah. Have you believed for a very long time yeah. this is cut and dry, yeah. the teens, the rebellion, yeah. you know, it's like Star Wars. It's like, yeah. obviously, you side with the rebellion. Mm-hmm. There's no debate in Star Wars of like, yeah. well, let's consider the merits of the rebellion and how dirty they fight. <laughs> yeah. And let's consider the strength of the Empire as a good thing for yeah. a little while. I, honestly, that might be a cool thing for someone to explore if they're just going to keep cranking out Star Wars properties around the exact same story arc. That might be what the Andor show is about. That's true. Yeah. 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 Um, but, but I, I I think it's it's it, they they set it up that way, and I think it's interesting that um, one thing they pull from a later arc for KJ the idea that you know in arc three at the end of arc three you know she she kills one of those uh one of the uh one of the cavemen that's coming after them one of the, the like the leader of those guys and and the idea of taking a person's life kind of weighs on her they pull that up right to the beginning. And yeah. she's dealing with that. Obviously, we find out that it's Prowse's brother or whatever. That that's kind of less important. But the idea of her reacting to save her friends, she she killed a guy, and she kind of becomes obsessed with that overall. When like until another trauma displaces yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 like Larry keeps during that big exposition scene where Larry is laying out who everyone is, like all this idea of like crossing through time, blah blah blah. And Tiffany's trying to suss out like, oh, here's the mechanics of all that. And Cage is just like, okay, so so your friends are the good guys, right? And other guys, like they're the bad guys. Like she needs she needs that black and white definition to help her cope with the fact that she killed one of them. You know, she needs that right. reinforcement. Someone be like, yes, they were bad, and these guys were good. She needs that to placate her own kind of her own her own self. And, and but to me, that's also a little bit of 80s nostalgia. I don't remember a lot of complex, nuanced villain treatments in 80s movies. Well, yeah, because they, they, they were always Russians or Nazis. Right. It was always good guys versus bad guys. Yeah, it yeah. was like very World War II yeah. era, yeah. Um, whereas it's only until like the late 90s where you started to realize like the espionage thriller type thing. Really, the 70s did it too. You think like uh, all the president's men, you know, type stuff. Uh, then the 80s was like, oh, that stuff was complicated. Let's just get back to like fun, good versus bad. Yeah. And our characters both think that way. And what you're saying is that it's extremely comforting to think that way. Yes. It's yeah. easier to process the world in those terms. And when you've done something horrible, it's so much easier to sleep at night knowing that yeah. you did it to a terrible person, the enemy. If you can otherize and vilify yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the opposition, then you can you know kill them with your field hockey stick but but the alternative is in the books you really don't get anything for kj until volume three well yeah because she's not in the 2016 2019 time and i think that's that's one of the strengths of what the show did as we go through the comic you know that the first arc is again aaron is our 
a sensible protagonist because she's the first one we meet. She's our, she's the new girl, so she's meeting everyone else for the first time, just as we, the reader, are reading everyone for the first time. But, you know, that's just intro stuff. The second arc, it's all about Aaron, you know? Yes. Third arc, all about KJ. Fourth about Fourth Tiff. arc, all about Tiff. The fifth arc, I think, you know, Mac has been lingering in the background because Mac learns, it starts when Mac right. learns about her fate. She dies young. She learns that in volume two. That's kind of floating underneath. Um, and then volume five, you kind of get a bit of everybody, but it really is, it's Mac's story because she learns that- That's it, their purpose in that yeah, time. Yeah, because she, she learns, yeah. it's important to learn that it's not leukemia, that the reason she's going to die is because she's been time traveling, which she's already been doing. Right. Nothing to do about that. She also basically catches up to KJ because KJ has had the vision of them kissing on the rooftop. And right. she's known that since volume three. So it's also about Matt. So Tiffany note. So sorry. So KJ's waiting there. Which they teased that strongly yeah, in they, the rooftop scene. Yeah, they do. They Early. had a shot of the Early. legs, yeah. which is a cover from issue 24. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So so it, it's really about Mac understanding her, the rest of her life, which is the, the time travel disease, and then kind of catching up to KJ. So each one of the girls kind of gets a main focus story and then six, you know, is, is the wrap up, but you, you can't do that in a TV show. You've got to, you've got to establish these characters. You've got to, you've got to, right. uh, you know, give them a you spotlight. You certainly care about. can't do that in season one of a show. No. And, and no. you know, if you, you know, Brian K. Vaughn's TV writing, which I don't think he was, he was a consultant on this, but I don't think he was the writer. He certainly didn't do the scripts. I don't think. I don't, I don't think he uh, may have almost an entirely, female cast and crew yeah it, it, it depends i know sometimes he has worked on you know he, he has been involved in some way on, on, on pretty much all of his adaptations and his involvement like i know he ended up working with some of the writers room on runaways at least the first season um i don't know if he did that with why but i don't I, yeah, I don't think he i don't he think, just had an executive producer yeah, credit I, I don't think he, he and he has like source writing credit yeah yeah and by the way he's executive producer alongside brad pitt uh, yeah, yeah, that shocked me when I saw that. I was just watching the last. I watched the last episode's credits all the way through because I wanted a little more, mm-hmm. um, and was hoping like yeah, Brad Pitt's um, production company was uh, you know, they're, they're the same production company. They 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 produced Minari, Academy Award winning uh, film from uh, a couple years ago. Yeah, well, that so, and I think at this point, people like Robert Downey Jr. and Brad Pitt can invest in comic book adaptations. Uh, kind of speculatively, like the way some people do Bitcoin. They're like, ah, you know, I've got a diverse portfolio. It won't make or break me if this works or doesn't work. So I'll just throw a little money at it and, uh, you know, see what comes back. And uh, I hope this is a good return on investment for everybody that was involved because uh, it, it it was just a great show. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And so based on their pacing, how many seasons would you say they are paced to go? Well, see, so that's the thing. I don't think because I have a theory. Because I, I mean, so well, so my thought is, as long as they get to the end, the end of the the end of the you know, issue thirty, they get to mm-hmm. they get back to nineteen eighty eight. Um, they're back there on Hell Morning on Hell Day, and there's been a, an and, agreed and, ceasefire on travel. Yeah, yeah, that 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 yeah, they, they come to some end that that the the overall narrative, the 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 war is over, over, and they're back. Their minds are wiped. You know, the memories are wiped and things are slightly different, um, just like they were in the comic. You know, the all these all the same events right. happen, 
in issue one and issue 30, but they're all a little bit different. Like who, who it happens to, which characters are involved, who's where. It's a little bit different, but it ends with the four girls still coming together and being like, you know what, let's, let's, let's ride for a little longer. As long as they get to that point, I think they can do anything they want in between. Um, I agree. And, and I think the fact that um, at the very end there, um, uh, uh, Aaron and, and Tiff are in a timeline that was never in the comics. You know, it appears they're like in the 1950s, something like that. That was in the comics. No, well, no. They went back to the 50s briefly in Volume 5. No, KJ went back to the 40s. Oh, yeah. For for her, her solo arc there. Right, right. And they were all But separate. the period wasn't like, it, I think it's supposed to be the same vibe of like, we checked that in the same way they were 10 years off, you know, in a couple other. Well, like, but also, I, I, it's also notable that they sent the two people of color back to the 50s. Oh, that, yeah. That stuck out to me immediately. Yeah, yeah. I was it, like, yeah, yeah. no one here is going to be able to get a, a yeah, word in with yeah, anyone. Yeah. How, however, the, but. It, <clears> and then the, you sent the two romantic interests it, well, off. But together. It, 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 when, you, when you break it down that way, you think, okay, well, we want to send KJ and Max somewhere because they have two notable times, one in prehistoric times after after Mac falls in the river, KJ jumps right. in and, and, and she kind of saves her there. And then again in uh, volume five, which in, they're in the future, was it 2171, I think they are. So so there, there, yeah. are, there are two times there, prehistoric time and future time where the two of them are together that you can, which I think, Pretty safe to say, if they come back for season two, they're going to be in one of those times. Um, I think Priorus wanted to send them to the time when uh, the 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 Quicklin Institute was getting formed, but obviously, but or obviously, perhaps for Doctor Bronstein's first travel, yeah. which would be in the BC time, and well, that's well, when Doctor well, Bronstein gets convinced to like, well, if but, I can make it back, I'm shutting the whole thing well, down. But but. If you're trying to stop time travel from happening, you wouldn't send them to the result of time travel. You would send them to the time she yes. left. And she left in 2055. Although I think the way I interpreted the book was it will be much more potent to have someone done it and come back and say, we cannot do that. It's oh, awful. Oh, yeah. oh, Rather yeah. than say, oh, yeah. let's stop this one person from doing it, even though her research so far is out there. Someone will inevitably pick it up and keep it going. I, 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 I agree, but I think what Priors' plan was yes. was to send them. But but as they're trying to do that, you know, the other members of the old watch came in and kind of fiddled around with the time, and so I, I think that sends that sends Mac and KJ either into prehistoric times or future time after time travel has been established. So somewhere. Yeah. In those so days. my guess is that for season two, you could wrap the whole thing at the end of season two. You could if you yeah. could have. These two things go half a season, and then the girls converge again at the end of episode three of season yeah. two, assuming it's another six episodes. Yeah. Was it eight? It was eight. Eight. So the end, of, the end of episode four, you have them reconverge. You know, Mac and KJ have, you know, sorted through their feelings mm-hmm. for each other. Um, Tiff and Aaron have got a grasp on, uh, you know, what's going on. They each have their time machines that they could either hang out for or they've discovered how to figure out where foldings are going to be something like that. Uh, and then they could do their four part adventure together to round out the series, or you could keep them separated for all of season two yeah. and have, uh, you know, KJ and Mac somehow go from prehistoric to future, future, just the mm-hmm. two of them. Mm-hmm. Aaron and Tiff did not need to be there for the 2170. No, uh, no, adventure. No. They yeah. were just kind of tag along. Well, 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 old, so, well, old ah, well, no. double O Tiff well, was there. They were there because they had to meet up with 
they had to discover that Wari was still alive and thus learn that that Wari's son Joppo is actually That's grandfather. So and so, by the so, way, so we that, never met. Um, there's never a robot or a clone Aaron. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so, so that's still coming, presumably. So uh, assuming they're going to keep that, that, that grandfather is, is, is Joppo. And he is the child who was born in prehistoric times to a woman named Wari. Assuming they're still going to do that. Then one would presume that at some point, someone has to go back to prehistoric times. And that's why I think that's where, that's where KJ and Mac went first. Yeah. Cause I, I agree entirely. It would be more interesting if they go there then try to leave. I mean, because they could still do the same thing. They could be in prehistoric times. They could then meet Dr. Bronstein there, who they they, they renamed. It, it, it's not Quanta Bronstein in the in the show. It was like I thought they named Bronstein. It, it was Bronstein, but they they, they changed their first name. It was oh, like, I didn't catch the it. It was like name. like Joan or Joanne or something like Jane. that. Jean. Jean yeah. or something. Yeah, but but so she, Bronstein is still the first person to time travel. But that credit goes to the fact that that came from the Institute that Tiffany is going to found in the future. Right. So yeah, I could see them doing that where the two of them are in the past, way past Dr. Bronstein shows up. Um, and then the, th- and probably you could have the same kind of thing. Almost you could, you could leave Bronstein in the past, just like she was in, in, in volume three and have our two girls, Mac and KJ use her lifeboat escape pod or whatever try to go back and that propels them back into 2171 instead of going to um the year 2000 which is where they went right. sequentially in the comic and then you could figure out a way you know to get I mean, you could get aaron and, and tiff there as well they could keep them apart they could bring them together they could stretch this out almost like quantum leap style oh i mean yeah um, it, i think it could go five or six seasons yeah. the way they're stretching especially if they're delivering the type of backstory for Prioris and other people like yeah, that yeah. that you've talked about, yeah. I would love to see that. I would watch five seasons of this. Yeah. I think it's more realistic to say, yeah, they'll probably wrap this in three, 16 episodes, two, three, maybe four. Maybe three seasons. I, I would I would say three, maybe four is what I would say. That being said, yeah. once you have a moneymaker, American television is more likely to get more seasons out of it rather than fewer. Yeah. And – I don't think Brian K. Vaughn is typically a fan of adaptations of his work. Uh, or, or he's not a fan of the idea of it. Uh, no, I, I think he's, he's more than welcome to. I think most of them just haven't been very good. That's the problem. Yeah, I mean, I know he's he's very rigid about not wanting Saga to be adapted and why The Last Man was not good. Well, but... but again, And it's the, not that he dislikes television. He writes for television. Yeah, and, I think he's just like, look, I'm a TV writer. I can write for TV. I chose to write a, write a comic. And let it be a comic. He's written for TV, but he's not someone who like, he doesn't create TV shows, though. No, no, he's not a showrunner. Yeah, so no, I, I, I think it comes down to that. Yeah, like it's, it's less, it's, it's less about ad- adapting his work and more about they, they've been bad adaptations. You know, like, right. why, like why never had a chance because it went through it had such a, a total production. It lived and died four or five times before it actually made the screen, and by that point, it was it was essentially DOA. Um, you know, a show like this. I mean, this is this is his show. He owns it completely. There's this character, him and Cliff. Yeah. So, um, you know, if they get more seasons out of it, if, if if it runs longer than the book did, like so be it. I, I don't think it will, just because I think you have a. At some point, you're gonna have a hard time with the, the fact that you have child actors like that. Just that's gonna be right. That's always a tough thing. And I think they're already 
they're all 15 or 16 one of them might be 17 and they're all supposed to be 12 yeah so you're you're up against the clock they can i mean you know stranger things got around this you 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 can get around it if you film multiple seasons but you still film them at a kind of in relative time to each other and so you can watch characters age you can you can be believable you know if you take a gap and all of a sudden your your character is supposed to be 13 14 but you're filming it now when they're 20 because you, you instead of instead of catching them when they were like 17 18 right. after you had seen them when they were 15 16 you can you can mask some of that stuff so i i can't see it going more than about four seasons but i think three would be like perfect for it i think they could do it they three'd be great which would it. mean you roughly did basically the deluxe edition size yeah yeah i mean um, you know because six seasons would be crazy it would be really tough you know um, and cuz th- this first season i mean they effectively covered three trades with the, yeah. with, with the caveat that like the f- first part of the first episode was the entirety of the first trade, you know, they yeah, covered, although they covered still, all the eighties in, in less than one episode, still skipping a number of beats. Although I think oh, yeah. it's less skipping and re and more rearranging. Yeah. Well, cause it, you know, it, I expect yeah. we will see clone Aaron. Yeah. Like well, there's no reason to think that's not happening yeah. just cause it didn't happen when it did in the book. And I think we'll see more of heck and Naldo. Because we know that those guys right. recruited Larry and all that, you know. So, the, the, and they run into them again in the past, back in volume five well, or six. Well, well, we see them. We see them. We, we, we don't they ask like, when do I go or how do I go? And and oh no, yeah, that, that's he right. says like, your end no, is your um, end. No, spo- like I don't uh, care about spoilers or something yeah, no, like that. Uh, Tiffany in volume six ends up back talking to Jude. Before they'd been there at 1980. Well, it, it, yeah. it, it's just, she just talked to Jude. Oh, just Jude. Because right. Jude's the one who dies. He's the one who gets killed. Okay. Um. Yeah, so that... Although in the show, they both got no, killed. No, I'm sorry. That, right? That, that was that was KJ who did that. But just yeah. listen to our other podcasts. Yeah, they yeah. were all accurate. Yeah, definitely. No <laughs> mistakes. No mistakes. Um, but yeah, no, they, yeah, everyone died. They all die. They they all die uh, in, in 2019 after they bring... Uh, after they bring our four paper girls into the future, yeah, they, they, both of them die. So that's not that that that's less of a, of a point now because they, they weren't characters, which right. is why I think um, as they as I would hope they would expand out more on on the STF and everything like that, and and it's, we get more than just what Larry tells us because everything we know about the time war is just what Larry told us, and then whatever the little bit that Prior has told us. So we haven't actually seen anything. Right. It's just and Larry turns himself shows himself to not. Really, be on their side. I wouldn't say he was a villain, even oh, no, though oh, no, 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 no. the younger girls definitely treat him like that. He, he's on the STF side. He right, but he's he, not on the girls' side. Well, no, because because they're not part. They're they're part of it by proxy. Yeah, he didn't care right. about them. At least the the 2019 version doesn't. Which makes you, know? you question the STF yeah. in season one. Well, You're but, like, if this guy's the figurehead of this, these you know rebellion. Yeah. Maybe the rebellion's no much worse than the you know the old watch. Well, yeah, but 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 the the idea is they're they're trying to protect. They're fighting for their cause, you know. And and understanding is that you know collateral damage is going to happen. He views those four girls as collateral damage because what's important is we got to be in. What's important is we got to be in ninety nine. That that has to he has to happen. I think he already knows that that's where he meets his end. You know, lies to our four girls and in order to get them where where he needs to be. But I, I think we're going to see more of that, and that's stuff again they pulled out of out of Volume One. We skip over Volume Three entirely. We get some elements of that, we you know. We uh, we get crucial information from it, we, we, and that was a dry one in yeah. terms of information you're actually downloading. Absolutely, because because that was all exposition. That was a lot of of his backstory right. on 
the nature of time travel. But we got the character moments out of that, you know. Um, of course, in the in the book, in Volume Three, all the big things really all happen to they really all happen to KJ. You know, she's the one who gets a period first. She's the one that has the visions of the future, and the the, the most pertinent one is is the one of her and Mac kissing on that rooftop. Right. Um. We pull those elements out, and and now it's it's Aaron who gets a period first, and that's not like really critical as to which person it is, but it does lead to a very funny scene in the alleyway um, when they're talking about periods and tampons and pads and all that. Um, that's just a great character moment. It didn't have to be KJ. It was just that I think it was a matter of putting all those things on KJ at the same time because we hadn't seen her. She, you know, she was absent in the second volume. Right. So I think it was more about putting all that on one character. But you, you still pull that moment out as kind of a reminder of of the girls and where they are in life, and we still get KJ confronting and and grappling with her own sexuality. But I think. The major difference is in the comic, she sees herself. And by herself, I mean like what she's wearing, who right. she is not, right now. Not 10 years yeah, from now. She yeah. sees herself kissing Mac as opposed to see. So, so one can internalize as seeing, oh, that's who I am versus who I become. Yeah. Exactly. Versus this where, where she is now wrestling with the idea of, well, if that's who, if that's who I become, does that mean it's who I am now? Am I that? Now? Which and, and I thought they did a great job of like telegraphing it. Yes. Early. So my wife was did. complaining in episode one that they were like maybe a little ham-handed or forced in their effort to show how in into Mac that KJ was. Yeah, with you know the flirting glances and mm-hmm. things like that. I'm like, to me, anytime you don't have to do that with dialogue and you can rely on an actor, yeah, that's a win. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I thought it was great because it shows like, oh, you know, she didn't become a different person because she time traveled. Yeah. That just accelerated what yeah. she who she already was. It, it, it helps her understanding of it. You right. Know? But 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 at the same time, I, I do think it is I, it, it is notable, I think, that throughout the show. She never actually says the word. She doesn't say gay. She doesn't say lesbian. She, right. she never actually says it versus in the comic. Um, she mutters at one point, I think I might be a lesbian yeah, she, while something else yeah, is happening. And Max like, what? Yeah. Well, and, and also one thing we talk about in that scene is, uh, in, in volume three, um, she gets the, uh, the, those three, the three came to chase after her, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, Mac blames it on, 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 on her period. She's going crazy. And as she's running, <laughs> and as she's running away for her I life, remember, so yeah. as KJ is running away from her for, for running for her life, from these three savages who are going to kill her, her only thought is, "Why would I kiss Mac? Like, right. she's about to die, and that's what she's that, that's the only thing she's thinking about." And then she comes to this giant chasm, and she has the you know the special like rocket rocket boots, boots yeah. And she makes a giant leap, a metaphorical and physical leap. Yes. And she lands, and when she lands, she has this knowing look on her face of like, "Oh, that's why." And it's like, and look, I'm going to say. Everyone's journey is different, but she comes to like full acceptance and understanding of who she is in the matter of like 45 minutes. You know, it's very instant. However, and she, and she, she comes to it. And I think part of that is because she sees a version of herself. Right. Versus again. now, So, which is the second trade in a row where someone learns their future and immediately lives into it. Just Mac and the second one was like, Mm -hmm. 
you know, screw this. I know when I die and it's not today. Yeah, yeah. And just like yeah. goes all out yeah. and, and, and assault mode. And you could argue that's not the most uh, believable or plausible aspect of, of, of how a human being would act. I think there's not, not a human being yeah. generically, yeah. but I think these characters are so well crafted yeah. that you're like, oh, yeah, these are the people who yeah. just met. And as soon as a bully comes, you know, they're like ready yeah. to punch yeah. each other out. Yeah. Like these girls are uh, leap thin look. Um, yeah. You know, but I, and I think what they've done is they've taken that same ethos in the show but they've allowed that to to expand and grow some more. Where not everyone is super of accepting right away. Not everyone is just like, um, you know, they're 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 allowed to sit and grapple with things a little more. And it, it, I think it starts with Aaron. And I think that awkward space sits better on TV than it does on it, a comic it, panel. It, it, yeah. it absolutely does because you're you're actually with the characters. They're right. actually emoting. There are other things going on versus what you simply can read off a static image. I said, I said, I think it starts with Aaron in that, you know, in both cases in the show and, and in the comic, younger Aaron is like visibly disappointed with her older self. Yeah. Like how she's turned out. Um, comic Aaron is much more sympathetic and understanding uh, yeah. and, and accepting of like, okay, well that's just kind of how it happens. But in the show, They've changed adult Aaron's circumstance. You know, their mother has passed away. Their, their father's already dead in the sh- in 1988. Her mother has passed away. She's estranged from her sister. Like right. everything is different. And so by changing the circumstances of the adult character, younger Aaron, kid Aaron, now has a different reaction because because they, they, it, it, we're, we're, we're putting her in a different situation as from, as from the comic. And... I mean, when 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 she blows up at her, and they have kind of that full on screaming match, right? Um, and you know, adult Aaron is trying to be like, "Listen, you don't understand. Like things happen," and 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 Aaron just lays into herself. Like that's that's brutal, brutal scene. And I think it, it, it's incredibly well acted. But it gives it gives Aaron, younger Aaron, so much more room to grow and, and, and be, be fleshed out as a character. And I think it means their goodbye in the construction trailer lands even harder, even though adult Aaron basically gives younger Aaron the exact same advice as in the comic. When, when they're in the helicopter and they're about to jump, um, you know, adult Aaron says, you know, stay friends with these girls, stop being afraid of people, you know? And, in the show here, when 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 they're in that construction trailer, and and before she runs out to jump back into her mech, she's saying, you know, take care of them. That's what we do. We're good at it. Um, you know, let people in; they might surprise you. It's the same thing of like, be open to other people. And right. I think it lands, it lands better because we spent more time, like actual physical time, like multiple days right. together. Because in the comic, they're, they're there for a couple hours. You know, the the the, yeah. the the entirety of the comic in terms of like linear timeline is probably like 50 hours total, you know, yeah. um, in terms of how, how long they're actually gone. It's multiple days that they, they, they've been that they're sitting with these characters in a different version themselves. And so you, you, you allow Aaron to have so much more growth as a character to where she's initially repulsed 
by her adult self and then right. comes to some understanding and, 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 and some level, some level of, 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 of understanding of, of her situation, how can it end, end up where she is and feel like she's not blaming her older self for it. that. Maybe that's just how things go. That's how life goes. And is much more sympathetic to her. Yeah. And to, you just don't have that kind of room in the comic because you know, you're only with, you're only in that time frame for, for six issues, you know? Yeah. Um, since we're talking about Aaron, let's do our, our quick, uh, overview of each one of the, the main four girls, their actor and their character in the TV series. Um, and I think we start with Riley who plays Aaron. Yeah. Um, what, what did you think of her performance? Did, I thought, you know, I, I, I think all four of them are great. And I think that the fact that she's allowed to have, all of them are allowed to have a wider range of emotion and character beats than they, than shown in the comic, but still consistent with who the character is shown in the comic, just allowed to be expanded, I think is fantastic. And I said, I, I think... To me, the way she has that wallflower vibe where she can, she can fade into the background of screen, yeah. you're still locked on her and she kind of whispers and mumbles out yeah. her lines sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is completely how I read it uh, in the book. Uh, not that my reading makes it so. Um, you know, the, the different people may read it differently, but I, I just felt like yes, that is that's exactly what I heard when I saw those lines. And I think it's great too. Yeah, I, I think it's especially early on because again, she's a new girl and she doesn't want to be treated that way, but she still feels that way regardless of what she says. She knows she is the new girl, and so watching her throughout the show slowly kind of assert herself. Yes. Um, but anytime a, 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 there's a major conflict. Down, yeah. Yeah. She'll retreat back yeah, to her default yeah. up until, up until um, Larry. Well, yeah. It, up until they're in 1999 and basically the group is fractured. Everyone's doing their own thing. And Larry shows up and, you know, she then goes off at a younger version of Larry 20 years earlier. And at that point, when they're all separated, you know, right. they're all kind of, they've all not given up. They're all, they kind of have given up because they believe it's going to be what, like six, seven, seven years. Seven years. And Aaron is yeah. the one, you yeah. know, who's completely dejected. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tiff is still rewatching her valedictorian yeah. speech yeah. Yeah. for yeah. who knows how many times. But Aaron is just like moping, mumbling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Calls her mom, hangs up, you know, mm-hmm. just uh, seems to have the most realistic understanding of what seven years in their situation means. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas. Tiff is like, oh, this is awesome. I like the future. Well, yeah, and the because, other girls are like yeah. out doing, you know, God knows what. And yeah. it's like, is Aaron the only one of you paying attention to well, what seven years here means? Well, but I think also because Aaron has seen what her future is and she, she doesn't like what she sees. Tiffany right. sees her future and she thinks it's awesome, even though it's not quite awesome. But to 12-year-old Tiffany, it looks right. like the greatest. You know, 23-year-old self she thinks that's awesome. 23 year old KJ, even though she doesn't actually interact with, with her older self, she interacts with her future girlfriend. And I think for KJ, the future is, well, there's possibility there. I need a, I'm interested to see where that goes because these are things I'm dealing with now. Well, and I thought course, it was interesting course, that KJ Mac, Mac knows she has no future. So she's like, whatever. Although you know? I found it very telling that she made up a future uh, because that yeah, she lied. Yeah, perhaps yeah. projects what she would be at, I, I if life so. had gone on. I yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Which is funny that I don't think 
you know, KJ never would have guessed that she goes into film. No. Um, Tiff believes that she would have done, you know, some institute or something like that. Well, so it's like, well, yeah, that may be like what young Tiff would have guessed. But uh, I don't think most of them had a strong sense of like what's ahead of me other than like, I'm sure it'll all be great. But Mac is the one who can look forward and be like, you know, I think I'd like to be a vet who works with horses. And yeah. sometimes I go out to their place. It's like this is the most concrete vision from any of them. And it's the one who has no future. Yeah. yeah well, it, uh, it, which it, is just kind of heartbreaking. It, it absolutely is heartbreaking. I mean, I think what Mac was given, the actress Sophia Rosinski, what she was given to do, because there is so much more that's explored um, with her character. Uh, it, it, it is truly incredible. The scenes with her and her older brother, with older Dylan were yeah. just phenomenal. The, and it was a great, great change to the comic. I, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. It's so much better than the next occupant of the house just being like, yeah. oh, oh, I have a weird yeah. amount of detail yeah. about the people who lived here before me. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, that's, that's super weird that you would know. But you'd remember that. Yeah, yeah like, that. oh, she died of leukemia in yeah. 1994. I bought this house in 95. Yeah. And obviously, I revisit the history yeah, of all yeah. previous. That was a weird way to deliver that information but like the kind of cold callous way at the end of an issue really cut well yeah well yeah in the comic yeah because it's and this was the right delivery in the tv show it's less about who knows or how and it's it's just about that those four panels of of mac and tiffany you know on that last page when 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 she learns what, what she's being told her kind of quip is like oh thank you well you know, update our subscriber information or yeah. whatever it was. And yeah, and that's the end of the issue. But no, it totally works in the show to give Mac this view of not what her life would be, but what comes out of her not being around. And I think that it's, it's heartbreaking on so many levels there because she talks about a couple times that she always figured that at 18 she'd get out, right. which means that all, all the crap she puts up with, as terrible as it gets now, Everything she has to deal with now, now being for her in 1988, you know, everything she has to go with, like, it's worth it because I'm going to get out of here. You know, I, yeah. I, I take it now. I deal with it now because I'm going to get out and I'm never coming back. And now she realizes that she's never getting out. She yeah. doesn't have that chance. And not only that, upon her death, like someone she thought didn't care about her at all, her stepmother, Alice, apparently was there every day. Is the only one that's there. You know, you know, it was was by her bedside is the one that remembers her birthday in 1999. Well, and Mac realizes that her death does a lot of good. Oh, it. Yeah. Alice turns her life around. Dylan turns his life around. Effectively, everyone around her is better because she dies. Right. So she grapples with the fact of, OK, well, I don't want to die. But if I don't die, does that mean all these futures are gone? You know? Right. And, 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 and to to have have that put upon her and have her deal with that as fun as it is in the comic to watch Mac just jump into things. Cause she feels she's invincible, you know, right. cause, cause that, that, that's her character arc going forward right. it, it, after she, okay, I die in 92. I, I died at 16. Great. I'm 12. Now I'm not going to die. As fun as that is to see that I don't think that translates very well. Cause you, that, you can only do that so many times. On a TV show, yes, and so, I agree. So to give her space to really deal with that, and at first have this kind of this joy of like, yeah, well, I'm dead, whatever. My brother's here; he's great. Look at this; he's rich, he's got a great family, he's a doctor, he's gonna cure me, no big deal. And then to really sit with kind of the full ramification of like, it's that all these people 
apparently wanted me to live. You know, I had no idea. She didn't know that at the time because she felt neglected. Her, her brother, I, I guess their their father is still out of the picture. But, yes. But to her stepmother, Alice, her brother, everyone's life got better because she died. And I think uh, to, to just give one final thought on Sophia's work here. I think she does the most when she doesn't have dialogue. Yeah. When when any anyone is talking about their future or they're basking in their future glory, mm-hmm. yeah. you just look like I don't know if everyone does this or if you know, I just kept looking you over watch at her Mac. reaction. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, and you can just see the heaviness mm-hmm. on her shoulders and the sadness in her eyes, uh, even as she lies. Yeah. Uh, and the other girls believe her. Well, and the, the, she had so many great scenes. With her and Aaron, which they must have done because they maybe they, they saw something in, in just how they work together. Because they had so many scenes where just the two of them were talking, which really doesn't happen in the comic. But the two of them are talking outside of the electronic store. Um, they. Uh, but I also think Aaron's the best listener. Well, so it kind of makes sense. Probably so. But it, it wasn't. Right. These are conversations that never happened in the book, but they, they pair them together outside the electronic store. They're at the party together in the coat room. They are, they're, they're walking around town where, when Mac tells the lie about veterinary school. And that's, that's really painful to watch Mac as she's like trying to brave her ways through this thing, knowing right. that it's all a lie. They go and visit Aaron's house in 99. There's so many great moments there. But yeah, I, when you watch her reaction to everyone else's future, it is really, really heartbreaking. But maybe the best moment of the entire season is the end of episode four. After KJ comes to the Chili's because she knows Prowers is after oh, yeah. their family. And and she's like, you have to leave because they're in danger. And Mac, of course, is on the pressure. And Mac that, knows she's leaving her cure. Yeah. Or, or, she, or, or, or thinks pretend, she does. Yeah. 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 And, and, leave, and as they're, they're speeding back to Larry's farm and, and like, KJ's just kind of like steely-eyed straight ahead. you got to get back. And you just watch Mac as she slowly breaks down. Yeah. And just, just it's kind of washing over her the full weight of everything that that might have been her chance. Yes. You know, and that she's got to go back to a fate that she doesn't want to have because she, she, she's a kid. She doesn't want to die. And you just see it you, as she comes just overcome with emotion. Uh, and again, it's completely silent. You, you just... It, Camera doesn't cut. It's just right there, the two of them on the bike. It's a long she, take. Yeah, I she, mean a long and she's take. Just, and so she's just completely breaking down, and it's absolutely heartbreaking, and it's so so good. I said that may it's that, extremely effective. That, that may I think be the, most, the, the, the 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 best single moment of the season. But here's the thing for me: uh, each of these girls had a moment where I thought, "Oh, that's the best actor in the show." Probably, yeah. And 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 they just kept passing the ball around, yeah, yeah, yeah. to each other. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would love to hear an interview where each of them has to highlight their favorite performance from the others. I'd be yeah, good. Um, yeah, yeah. Just because I feel like there's their performances are so nuanced and subtle yeah. that when I look at the IMDb credits, I'm like, I cannot believe the like lack of resume for some of these. Yeah. Uh, in fact, if you look at Adult Tiff, who uh, Saki Abinini, she was uh, so Sakai Abini. Sorry for the yeah. mispronunciation there. Uh, nothing else on her IMDb. Nothing. Four episodes of Paper Girls. How is that even possible? Uh, I feel like someone has done a Mentos commercial or something. Uh, you know, to have a credit before they get a prominent role in uh, you know, a popular show. But 
you know, there was no hint of inexperience anywhere in the cast. Ali Wong is somewhere. I talked about Aaron. Yeah. Go, adult Ali Wong. Uh, adult Aaron Ali Wong. Incredible performance. Just crushed it on the casting. Yeah. Well, and, uh, and, and like the little bits of humor mm-hmm. were such a breath of fresh air in what is otherwise a heavy show. And the comic had mirth to it. There was humor. Yeah. yeah not definitely. laugh out loud funny. No, 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 mostly. no, 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 no. Uh, they're Although not, I, they're, not, I d- they're, not, they're not a whole lot of gags in the comic. No. Yeah. Although I will say it was laugh out loud funny, both the stealing of the tampons yes. and reading the instructions, yeah, yeah, they, trying to figure they, them out. Yeah, that, I laughed repeatedly. That seems great. And, you know, there, there, there are little things, too. I mean, when it's something that you, um, when when we were, wa- as I'm watching, um, when the, the show premiered, um, I was watching a, a little bit ahead of my brother. And, and in the first episode, when in 1988, when the girls get to Max house after the sky, after the sky first turns purple, they go inside and Aaron starts taking her shoes off. Yes. And and everyone looks at her and Max is like, what, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, never mind, nothing. You know? Yes. Like, very small little moment there, but like anybody who's Asian like me knows exactly what was going on there. And and my brother texted me uh, as he watched that and was like, oh my God, Aaron took her shoes off. And it was like that little things like that. Very, very funny. But yeah, then there's some much larger moments. Again, I think Ali Wong is so great. Because she was asked to do a lot more than comic adult Aaron was. Yes. You know, um, this version of Aaron was like way more troubled, had was it way more problems to deal with. The, the fact that had to take care of their mother at the end of their life, this, this separation from her sister, like all this other stuff that's going on. But at the same time, you still have Ali Wong. So you, some of them is pretty funny. So you got to find ways to, 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 to put that in there. And I think they did that well. And I think it balanced really well. Um, like the the idea of like when she shows in the internet and all that stuff, you know. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. You know, um, little things here and there that are just really really funny. And next on our list, I'm going to say Cameron Jones, uh, who plays Tiff. Yeah. And yeah. as we know uh, from the book podcast, Tiff is my favorite character. And um, even though all of these performances made me question that, at the end of the day in this story arc, I just thought Tiff. Absolutely got her moment. That scene in the coffee shop between yeah. young Tiff and older Tiff. When the veil kind of drops for older Tiff. Yeah. And young Tiff is both rocked by the news, but unfazed in her conviction of yes. like, this yeah. is who we are. This is what we're about. We didn't do that for other people. Yeah. So we shouldn't stop doing it because of other people. I was like, oh, man. The show very much has the reputation of, you know, if your younger self could confront your modern self. Mm -hmm. They really leaned into that and just to the heck out of it. In fact, that may have been my favorite moment in the show because I think the double O Tiff didn't have any particular reason for burning out. It was just kind of Gen X burnout. Exactly. Yeah. And I think Um, it's a way of, of, again, we, we keep our four... Young people are the same, but we change the people around them. So, yeah, older Tiff is still very much in kind of this, like, burned-out Gen X world. But, yeah, it's not about, you know, because she still went to MIT. She's still on a track that Tiffany thought she was going to be versus the comic when— And, when, and when, we when, have when, that when, little bit of extra knowledge that she does start the Institute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that gives young Tiff all the more fervor to be like, yeah. look, I know— this is not what you want because I know where you end up. I, exactly. I know where we are it, in the comic. Tiffany went to business school. Yes. Young Tiff was like, wait, business school. Yeah. You know? And, and yeah, ma- like and yeah, hanging just, out with Jared Leto. Yeah. And, yeah. It, 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 that's just more about dropping out of society and, and, and 
not having any part of what's going on versus what we see. We, we see Tiff here. Tiff is brilliant, but she has decided for whatever reason to like not be fully engaged. Cause we see him, we see that veil drop right at the very end when, when the ablution is starting to happen and, and she's yelling like, we, we, we got to go. You got to leave younger. Tiffany's like, no, it's fine. It's all right. You don't remember any of this. And that's when older Tiffany's like, wait, and have me just go back to my boring life in Stony stream and forget about time travel. That's the first time she admits out loud right. that like, I'm she, unhappy. Yeah, yes. Yeah. That, that this is, she's unhappy. Not that she's completely unhappy. I think she's content, but she's not, she's, she's, she knows she can do more and she's choosing kind of to not do more. Cause yeah, whatever, you know, yeah, she's, she's driving like, in yeah. the right lane. Yeah, yeah. 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 But when she's shown the idea of time travel, that these things are possible and that she could potentially forget it, then she's like, no, 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 no. Wait, no, I can't actually do more. This is the greatest thing. I can't forget this. So we see that veil drop. But yeah, at the same time, she goes through all of her scenes of just like, yeah, you know, eh, that's what we're doing. You know, right. It's the, it's, it's, it's the, the, the late nineties. I, I will say my favorite moment, maybe after they meet with, uh, with, with older Tiffany there in 99 at the club, at the rave, and they go back to the, the apartment. It's, it's early morning and, uh, 99 Tiff, like, goes to the fridge and pulls out a surge. I, I, which like, I call that out. And I think my yeah. wife who's uh, eight years younger than me yeah. didn't quite know what that was. Yeah, I, Plus I, she came from like a healthy family yeah. that would have never stocked surge. In fact, I don't think my family bought surge. I think it was like, if I'm at a restaurant with my friends, I get surge or I'm, if you're at a sleepover playing I'm video games. I'm pretty sure I didn't buy it either. But, but in, you know, I guess, I guess in, in July '99, I was in co- I was in college, and I started college in the fall of '99. But yeah, at some point in that time frame, I'm sure I woke up, or was up in the morning all night, and went to the fridge and like, you know, what breakfast is breakfast is a can of surge. Oh, um, yeah, I mean, not that when she switches to pop tarts that it's really any better. Yeah, yeah. But it's like I surge. I remember but, tasting like if you mixed Mountain Dew with a car battery. And I don't know, like some over-the-counter drug, and just swirled it all around in a blender. Like it didn't taste good. It was rough. And was you rough. went like immediately to twitchy. Like there was no like healthy caffeine boost. It was completely over the top immediately. One of the things I really find interesting about the show is that obviously going into it, there was so much talk about Stranger Things. People are like, oh, the yeah, they silenced that. Well, and, and and what I think is interesting is that there is far more nostalgia baiting for for a certain audience there's far more nostalgia baiting in the 1999 scenes than there were in any of the scenes in the 80s because like everything about 99 tiff i mean they're at the rave like this crazy loft apartment with like a traffic light in it like what are you doing with that like i mean it looks like a set from friends right the giant the giant like og nalgene bottle like not like the clear plastic like she's carrying that around again she just grabs a, a can of surge in the morning i mean like um, the the boyfriend character, uh, Russ, I think, right? I think was his name Russ. Uh, I don't know. I, I they made some yes, changes to yeah, him. Yeah, it is Russ. Yeah, Russ. Yeah. Okay. But the fact that like he works at a vinyl shop that's called Ear Food F U Umlaut D. I mean, yeah. it's just like it just everything about it. like there is so much more kind of cringe nostalgia, late nineties nostalgia. If if you said if you're of a certain age. Um, packed into those couple episodes than there was about the 80s stuff in 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 relative to Stranger Things, which I got a kick out of because again I was you know I'm closer to that 
that generation, uh, you know, a few years younger than our, our, our main characters would be in 1999. But it was still, uh, it was still very, very, very funny to see. And, and I think, and I think you're right in terms of what Cameron Jones did as, as young Tiffany, that scene when 99 Tiff in the coffee shop tells her, yeah, just drops on her that, that she's adopted, which I didn't realize that they hadn't addressed in the show. It, it didn't hit me because they addressed that very early in the comic, like younger as a young child, younger than the 12, 12 year old version. version. Yeah. I, I think we see it in that flashback. You know, when, um, um, when, when she's playing video games, yeah, when, she, when she's yeah. playing video games. Uh, so that, that, that's down in the sewers in, in volume one, when the, that editrex thing touches Tiffany. And I think in that flashback there, um, she asked about her, she asked her parents about her birth parents. So she knows she's adopted from a young age. So that isn't like some bombshell. So the fact that they changed that and, make it this bombshell that older Tiffany gets when she's 19 that basically derails her life, you know? Um, Although, you know, I think there's also the question of, did it derail her life or did she use that as an excuse? And And she realized that's what she was doing. I I think it's both. Absolutely. I think there is definite betrayal from her, from her mother. Uh, I think, I think, I think that's That's real pain. I I think that's, yeah. yeah, I think that's absolutely real pain. But then, the the assumption the implication is then she she acts out in some way to the point where she gets expelled from MIT not just not just leaves right. so yeah there's some other uh, inciting incident whatever but no definitely it, it's not it's not one to one it's not like this truth bomb comes out and that's why yeah it, it, it it's definitely used as an excuse it's a cover there but to to drop that in the way she did so very bluntly. Yes. On her younger self, and he, he, watching younger Tiffany deal with that, absorb that information, and and kind of throw it right back. Uh, that scene is, without question, I think the best scene for for Tiffany. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. So, Tiffany's great, mm-hmm. and we finally come to KJ. Yeah, who um, again, just, I like. There's no other way to say it other than just four amazing performances. Yeah. Um, and uh, KJ's name here, Straza is the last name. Uh, uh, yeah, Fina Straza. Fina Straza. Okay, yeah, yeah. Fina Straza. Um, it's unbelievable. I think hers. Uh, the thing that stands out to me, first of all, best scene was when she's talking to her future partner at the movie theater. Yes, and they talk about working up the movies. courage. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, like uh, their bedroom talk was great. Yeah. Um, but that theater talk, since it already laid a little groundwork. Mm-hmm. And uh, what Fina Strasa can do is she says so much in her windup. Yeah. She's so comfortable with long, dangling, open spaces in the delivery. Yeah. And um, uh, I, I guess, you know, for you, this won't be surprising. But to me, the 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 analogy is like uh, Richard Schiff. Like yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Toby in the West Wing who – Everybody's talking a mile a minute, and he can take his words and chew on yeah. them and add pauses just full of emotion and meaning. And there's more meaning in what he's not saying than what he is saying. And that's what KJ has to do for a lot of this because KJ has the self-discovery mm-hmm. earlier than I thought she would have it and sits on it longer than I expected her to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and and again, I think it's the, the change in perspective from the comic, the fact that she sees an old – it is something she's already dealing with because 
you know, when they are in, when she is in um, 2019 and she goes to uh, Mac's brother's house looking for, looking for, looking for Mac. And, you know, Mac, uh, you know, uh, Dylan's wife asks her in and, and they start talking and she makes a passing comment about, about her being her girlfriend, you yes. know, which is in, in, in a truly platonic sense. And KJ kind of freaks out about that because it's something that's already in her mind. And then, um, from her perspective, uh, a day or so later, um, she is in her own house and sees an older version of herself. Right. You know, and, and that hits her and, so she's already kind of dealing with that. And then she sees the, like, she's not there yet, but then she sees, she sees the end zone already, you know, but she's yes. still, she's still, she's on steps like one and two. And and then there's the end at step 20. She, she's already right. there. And she has now skipped over all those things and doesn't know how to deal with that. And, and watching her, watching her process that um, is, is, is a real joy. I think again, because I, I, I agree with, with, Phoenix Rice's delivery. It's so deliberate. Yes. Um, more so than anyone else in the show. I think that's just something they gave to her. Whether whether it's it's this this issue specifically with her, or like when, you know, she has some great scenes with with Mac, because after Mac tells her what what her fate what Mac's fate is. Right. The scene on the rooftop, um, and then the next morning when they're sitting on the stoop. After they've gotten some, you right. know, before they, before the, the the tiffs come down and and, and take them to the to, to Larry's farm, those scenes right there, that interaction is is so good, and I think it is because she's so restrained in her delivery, and the the, the scene in the movie theater is just is so good about that because you see her trying to say the words, but she doesn't yes. say the words, and then her future partner, as she's answering, like you see it on her face, it clicks with her that. We're not talking about movies. Yes. But we're going to talk about movies. Right. And and so, yeah, to me, I, I think what I was thinking through that whole scene and the whole exchange was like, oh, my God, I'm so glad the rights to the show were not purchased by the CW. Because that, I mean, but this is the type of thing that makes or breaks. Like, yeah. if that is cheesy, yeah. uh, if it's telegraphed, mm-hmm. uh, if it's rushed, I mean, there's just a billion ways to get it wrong and, like, very few ways to do this right, and they absolutely crushed it. I and I've so, seen, yeah. uh, you know, on our on Twitter, um, we've interacted with a lot of folks who um, have just found this depiction so meaningful, so relatable yeah. Yeah. Uh, to that step in their life. Um, and you know, one of the things that I was worried about in 2022, covering a book about four girls from two guys in a podcast, yeah. written by two guys yeah. <laughs> or you're created by two guys uh, that like, well, you know, maybe this is not going to uh, hit quite right. And I think everyone being able to rally around it uh, has been very powerful. Uh, and Stephanie Folsom, who uh, was the creator showrunner mm-hmm. of the show, uh, incredible talent working on rings of power as well. Uh, and I think cut her teeth on toy story four, which is a massive property. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, like both the sentimentality and the pain uh, fused together into a beautiful picture is really what the Toy Story movies did so well. Yeah, and yeah. it's kind of what Paper Girls is doing. It, yeah, it, it, it's it's it, like it's oh, all, there's it, sentimentalism, there's nostalgia, 
but just like twist the knife yeah. pain. Because it, it, it's all about character. It's yeah. it, and, and again, I know they foregrounded the time war, but in the end, it's not really about that. It, it's it's the focus on on the characters, whether they interact with older versions of themselves as they do in the comic. And again, I think they got around that great with KJ because KJ never meets. We never meet an older version of KJ. Right. We meet an older clone version of KJ, but not older version of KJ Prime. And so the fact that she never interacts with herself directly in 1999, it's oh, it's two interactions but with her with partner, her future partner, yeah. which which is great. At, at first, I was like, oh man, it, it'd been good if there had been one scene. Just even if it's even if it's uh. The the scene I kind of wanted actually would have been like at the movie theater when the two of them could acknowledge each other and like the older version could acknowledge the younger one with the sense of like, oh, you've seen me now. Yeah. You've seen us and it's okay. Yeah. I thought that'd be kind of a cool moment. But then I realized, well, if they do that, you've now added, you've now actively added a different element that you'd then potentially have to explain away you know the fact that tiffany never you know you have to get around it there i mean that's um, like a, any time travel yeah, thing yeah, creates yeah. i'm saying i'm saying yeah, i'm saying unlimited. from the comic though you oh know, the, yeah the, the, the fact that she never met that you now have introduced the fact that she has that could potentially change things i thought it'd been a, it would have been a neat moment in the end it works out i think really great the fact that she only interacts with the person in the future that i guess presumably she's going to be with lisa at the time for the time being but the fact that Every time her own self is just coming into the 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 the, the scene, or just about leave the scene, you know, it's yes. uh, it, it's kind of a near miss thing. And I think it works out. I think it works out overly well. In the end, it works out for the story. But I think that, that could have been just in my mind. I thought I would have liked one moment there, just so all three of them could have had some sort of recognition of their older selves. The, the three that have you know older versions of themselves. Yeah, um, and other actor shout outs. Uh, the, the grandfather, Jason Manzoukas. Oh. I mean, there's uh, like, we saw it coming. It was hidden for no good reason. It, it, uh, it wasn't announced. It, it wasn't officially announced. But it was in the trailer. His well, voice was in the trailer. His, his voice in the trailer. But it what, wasn't on IMDb until after it came out. And yes, it was like, yeah. why are you hiding this? Yeah. Like, are there like a huge number of Jason Manzoukas fans who are like going to freak out? I'll say though, I saw a lot of like, people. He's that, a B-list celebrity, well, right? Uh, y- y- I mean, I love him. Yes, yeah. But but I, I will say, I saw a number of people Number reactions online as people were making their way through paper goes. You could tell where they were because you just see right. Manzukis. Yes. Like, that, they, 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 like, oh, okay, you've gotten to, yes, that's grandfather. And you the know? three. Yeah. So, and I think the way he spun grandfather, uh, I mean, grandfather is high position, low formality. You yeah. Know, he's always yeah. wearing flip flops yeah. yeah. and, uh, you know, 80s, 90s music shirts. Well, even the Apple Records, you know, the Beatles reference. I got to say, too. Um, he he's in he's in the graphic tee, the cargo shorts, like thick socks and Birkenstocks. Yeah, and like I lost all my pictures. From, actually, I still have pictures from that time frame. Like I probably wore that at some point in 1999. <laughs> like I'll admit that I'm 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 an adult enough to 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 to, to admit that. But that that was basically my wardrobe through college. I was um, waiting for Andrew Garfield to come in and say, are you going to go into yeah. battle dress like a cool yeah. youth pastor? Yeah. <laughs> so I think that was I, uh, I, I do also think, the vibe I got. I, I mean, when I didn't realize he was in the show until the first that first teaser, and you heard his voice, and you have to know his voice. If you know his voice, you could hear it. And there's the one shot 
of him. It's I, 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 it's from the final episode where he's it's from behind, and so he's walking away from the camera. So you only see someone with like a a big big bush of hair. Yeah. And again, if you don't know who he is, you're not looking for it, or if you haven't just heard the voice, you're not going to know it's Manzukis. So I didn't know that until until I saw that. That that being said, when I heard a rumor that Mansukas was going to be in Paper Girls, you, I was uh, like grandfather. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Once you, yeah, once you yeah. hear it, you're like, oh, well, you can't unhear it, you can't unsee it. He's obviously grandfather. Um, There's no question about that. That being said, there are also not that many male characters in yeah. the series. Yeah. So it was like, well, if Mansukas is yeah. going to be in it, he's yeah. either like, yeah. you know, a new character, lab like assistant number three. Well, well and that's it, where it, I was going to go next. Or, or a new character. Is uh, when, when they two shout outs yeah. to our mighty Sorkin players, Adina Porter, who. Crush it is Prioris. Uh, I know her from the newsroom, mm-hmm. uh, the three season Sorkin run, uh, and Nate Cordry, who seems so much more familiar to me, even though I went through his IMDb and I was like, I'm pretty sure I saw him in Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, and that's it. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of stuff that he's in. I just didn't catch a lot of it, uh, but he has such a familiar look. Real fun, uh, real fun meta note on Nate Cordry. Um, he is also currently starring on For All Mankind, uh, the alternate history yeah, space story. Yeah, but you pitched me, yeah. yeah. Um, he also plays a character named Larry, um, who has also <laughs> aged 20 years in the time frame of that show. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. And let me tell you, uh, the 20-year aging in For All Mankind, he comes out looking way worse in that show. Um, here, they gave him like a little bit of paunch, a little different haircut, a little bit of scraggly facial hair um, from 1999 to, to 2019. Um, yeah, I mean, if you want someone who can look as young as possible and then you age them up with makeup, yeah, someone like Cordy, might I yeah. suggest Paul Rudd? <laughs> uh, that's I'm just saying, if you gotta have a Larry character appear yeah. 20 years difference, Paul Rudd, he's your guy. But no, I, I thought Cordra did. You know, he he gets to play two different versions of that character. You know, kind of the you know the little more steely, mission focused 2019 version, and the really wet behind the ears kind of nebbish. But the version. 2019 version has been sitting on a farm that he hates, yeah. waiting for this for 20 years. Yeah. You get it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, but, but, if you're yeah, objective well, about yeah. it, you're like, I get yeah. it. Well, He's you, you, serving you, the greater good. You understand where he is in 2019, and then you, you could then see in 20 years, because at some point, he gets a giant mech to babysit, which... Yeah. Be honest, if I if, if if I was given that task, I'd get pretty psyched about that too. But I don't think it would have stayed in the silo that whole time if it was mine. I'd be like, well, well but but he could probably turn have on, to though. take this but, little test drive. But, but he couldn't turn on. He didn't have the device to to, to oh, drive yes. it. That yeah. was the uh, that was the Apple the device that we're calling. Yeah, yeah, that they, they gave Tiffany that they gave that eventually gave to Aaron. So because yeah, that'd be tough if you're sitting on a mech and you couldn't do anything with it. That'd be rough. Yeah, that'd be really rough. I mean, I'd go get a mechanical engineering degree and be like, we're gonna yeah. figure this thing out. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, and anyway, so, and Larry, I thought, did uh, a great job. Uh, certainly, none of my complaints about Larry have to do with the acting. No, again. Uh, it was like. He was exhibition Was that bot. necessary? Yeah. He was exhibition was it, bot. Uh, and I, I miss the cartoonist. I think yes. they can still do that. Oh. The, the, and, There's no question in my mind. We can still have the cartoonist. Part of me thinks they could do that with uh, Aaron and Tiffany in the 1950s. Right, so you get the cartoonists in the fifties, you yes. get Bronstein in the ancient yeah, past. I think, I think, and they those are happening in. simultaneously yes. at two yeah. girls in each yeah. spot. I think that's I a wonder, great way to go. But I wonder in. if they do, if they do, um, the cartoonist differently because the cartoonist was about tracking the foldings and putting that information into the into their comic strip. You know, first right. Charlotte's father did it, then she did it. 
Um, and the notebook replaced that. Yeah. yeah. So I, now I wonder if they, instead of doing that, instead of maybe Aaron and Tiffany go to Larry's grandfather's farm, which is the same farm, presumably, you know, what if, what if this is something that's passed down in their, in their, in their family that he gets drafted into the STF all the way through? Yeah. You know, so, and so, because Larry says that it was his grandfather who made him sit down and track every storm, every, you know, every, every bit of thing in a journal and that rigorous training helped him when he started tracking the foldings and things like that. So I wonder if they, instead, instead of using the cartoonist and by bypassing the, the cartoon strip, the car, the, the comic strip altogether, maybe then they just go back to the farm and, end up finding sure. Larry's family, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but either way, I'm pretty sure Larry's done. Like, I don't expect season two, Nate Cordry. Unless Larry's playing his own grandfather. <laughs> Unless you just cast him to do that too, which That's is true. It, which is possible. Uh, it's possible. Yeah. That seems like you're getting, um, it's back to the future. I, I was going to say not even Dr. Who, but, uh, Inspector Space Time from yeah. Community. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, that's yeah. that's the the territory getting into. But anyway, those are all of my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, just all around, just blew me away. I had very high hopes, which is dangerous, mm-hmm. and a healthy level of skepticism entering this show. And oh, no disappointment. Yeah, no. One last thing before we go. Um, on Manzukis, I think we, we we mentioned it maybe early on. Um, the fact that he is the one that delivers the cassette tape metaphor, which they pull from, you know, that that's Dr. Bronstein talking only to Mac. At the end of the world, right? At the end of the world, yeah. that, that, that that's in volume six when, when you know, all the four girls are, are jettisoned to their own time and Mac goes to, ends up where Bronstein is at, you know, 30 minutes for the world ends. And she gives the the explanation of the of the cassette tape. And I loved how they took that they gave it to grandfather and the way that Manzukis gives that where it's playful, it's fun, right. but it's also really sinister. Like it's, it's, it's really dark. And when he starts pulling the tape out and to, to and, and then when he breaks it and then we cut back to, to Max face. Cause like that's her brother's tape. Like, how dare you? Right. But, but the fact that it's giving the exact same information he's doing, he's giving the exact same info to the audience that, Bronstein gave, but the delivery is so menacing and it's so foreboding. Well, and if you was, have to choose so someone that does lighthearted, fun, funny, and menacing at the same time, yeah. it has to be Manzukis. Which I think why it's so great that he is grandfather, because so much of what he does across the board is that. Where he's coming off as like he's trying to be the cool dude. Right. He's still the youngster, but he's grandfather. Obviously, he's a lot older. You know, he's, he's, he's much, much older when we see him. He's all kind of all white and gray hair. But, yeah, he's always trying to be the young, cool kid. He's always the one that's like, he, he's trying to right. play that off. But at the same time, he's feeding people to dinosaurs like it's nothing, you know? Right. And, and. Although, he, again. He plays that super, super easily. He, they, he straddles they, that line. They have the 10,000 foot view. They're like, if this dude getting eaten by a dinosaur keeps the entire universe afloat, then, yeah, I have no problem feeding him to a dinosaur. Um, so at the same time, I think the STF is like, well, if we go back in time and we stop this one thing and that can help prevent 
yes. anything from ever happening, and and it, that can prevent yep. climate change from happening, or or you know wealth inequality, whatever it is, then that's worth it too. That that radical change, because that's something that Larry says. Like when Tiffany's like, "Well, do I think go back and changing things? Like, isn't that gonna break time and make things you know totally different?" And Larry's like, "Yeah." That's the point, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, that was a great line. Yeah. Cause, cause it, but it is almost like, though, the STF doesn't actually know what the end result's going to be. It's like they're simply trying to get a right. different result. That, to me, yeah. is the irresponsible yeah. part. Yeah, exactly. It's like, the, let's just go push buttons yeah. and hope we get a better outcome. They're not guaranteeing that anything's going to be better for them. Only thing they're, if they're successful, the only thing they're guaranteed is that their future will be different. Yes, is that we won't make the same exact mistake yeah, twice. We, we might make but different mistakes. Yeah, right. We might make worse mistakes. Yeah, we, we we might make things worse by doing this. All we know is it's going to be different than what it is now. The but, only but way they believe right. they've convinced themselves that it's going to be better. That right. But the only way you could know it's going to be better is if you were certain. And I'm sorry for another community reference that you're living in the darkest timeline. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. Like the only like assuming everything in the history of the world has gone as poorly as possible gives you license to go just back and push buttons. The, the, any change will make it even even right. a modicum better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but they but, don't actually know that. No, they and, don't know that. Yeah. They don't have a formula for yeah. it. It's not like oh, we've got this doctor from the future who calculated the impact of. Well, you and, know. I, and I think that's that's what that's what comes across in in the way Manzukis is 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 delivering his lines as grandfather that that tape metaphor about you know. The, you know, you go, you go back and you re, you 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 re-record over and over and over. It weakens the tape and all this stuff, which is, 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 we have no other source of information, so we have to assume that's true. But, but the fact that it's saying, that, yeah, well, it, it's indiscriminate for them. You know, they're just going right. back and recording over, and you, they're throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks, and hopefully, they they believe it's going to be better because I think their conviction is. We're changing things for the better, but they have no proof of that. They have no, they have no, no guarantees of that. It's just going to be different. But right. they've convinced them and the underground everyone that's who's following them that we're changing things for the better by being disruptive in the past. And, and I think that's where, as the audience, I think you start seeing some of the cracks of maybe they're not the greatest there, you know. And then a little bit later, when Prius calls them refers to them as terrorists. And we see that talks about how they just come in and just kill the watch indiscriminately because they assume anyone with the watch is guilty by association. Right. No matter what, we're, we're taking you out, which effectively makes them no different than what we saw the watch do in the first episode, you know? Yeah. So it puts, well, that and, it puts them on equal level now. Yeah. Well, it puts them on equal level in terms of what we've been told. We haven't been shown yet as the audience. So, right. Yeah. Uh, it establishes both parties as gray. Yeah, yeah. And well, as potentially gray, and I hope they show that to the audience. I hope they hope that becomes clear to the audience to help balance those scales. Some that's what I would want to see. That that yeah. it's, it's not just people saying these guys are bad and these guys are good. No, 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 no. These guys are good. Is it bad? If they show the audience, show the actions, and let the audience decide, and then also that let our four paper girls decide that maybe we don't want to be associated with either side here. You know, yeah. let them decide. Right. That it's all about it's about being great. Yeah. And, and that my last comment on that and really on the show for now is that I feel like they may have pushed grandfather to being one to two shades more villainous than he needs to be. Like the end of the season one, he seemed like Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, I just killed my assistant. I'm walking away, giving orders yeah. how we're going to do anything to get those girls uh, and it was like, I 
I don't think you're showing him for his positive motivation, which is present in the books. And I, and I think that's, again, that comes with the idea of that they just showed the old watches being the bad guys. Right. And that's one of those things I hope they explore, whether it's going back and seeing a younger version of him, like we see in, yeah. in, in the book. You know, we, we see a, a, you know, a younger version where he has, he still has color in his hair. It's shorter. The beard's not there. So we know it's a younger version of the, of the grandfather we saw with the big, huge hair and it's all gone white and gray. So if they explore that more, I think it'd be good to to see him in a better light. Um, not a better light, not to be redeemed, but again to to show the balance that sure. it's yeah. not just uh, not just you know one side's good, one side's bad. Because I agree entirely. He's shown as a bad guy, even though he's it's Jason Manzukis. He's he's funny. He's joking. He's personable. Right. Yeah. He just it, it. He didn't need to kill Larry. He could have disarmed him. And but yeah. I mean, he, he did it because he had, because he could, you know? Right. And, and as they talk about what they said, like, well, you guys going back and, and I think it's KJ saying like, you guys going back and killing people and all that stuff. You, why don't you just erase their, you know, erase their memories and move on. And he's like, cause we have to, that's why, you know, which is a total BS justification. Right. You know? Cause yeah, if they can erase uh, uh, people's minds then why are you killing anybody which is you- what they do in the book when they shoot someone it zaps them to like a Wenhouse containment center so they can be have their mind reset well, and go back yes except when they actually kill someone they they, they, yeah, they it, do have the ability to actually kill people and yes, they do it's just a, it's a bit more rare than yeah, the yeah, show yeah. maybe depicts it yeah so but you know, that's kind of that That was KJ calling him out on his BS and, and his justification being like well yeah that's just it's that that's the way it is, you know. You know, your end is your end, but they're the one deciding it. But he thinks he's being, he thinks he's being uh, uh, generous and 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 benevolent when he's really not. So, Although Mac kind of buys it, but Mac is more interested in what he has to offer than well, yeah, she is in and, him. And that's similar to when we get to the end of the the comic as well. Mac has that same that same dilemma where right. she's like you know what, send me back because I don't want to remember any of this stuff. I don't want the burden of knowing that I'm going to die soon. Right. But then her mind has changed when she realizes, no, in reality, I don't want to forget what we just went through. I don't want to forget these people, you know? So she she has that kind of change of heart um, when she sees kind of what's important there. I think that was, it made sense for Mac in that moment because she dealt with so much. She doesn't want the burden of all this knowledge. But then... So she initially agrees to it, but in the end is like, you know what? No, like, screw these guys. You know, what's important are these other three girls here. So I don't want to forget that. So she then changes her mind back. I think it makes sense. That was a that was a a consistent character journey for her. Yeah. In that moment to initially agree because she, as far as she's concerned, she has the worst fate. I'm going to die soon. You know, I don't want that burden. If that's what's going to happen, so be it. If if me dying leads to my brother being all this and my stepmother doing all that, that's fine. I don't want the burden of that knowledge. Right. So, but then realizing there's something bigger than that, than just her experience and her knowledge of it, which is when she turns back uh, and, and, you know, then defies. Yeah. And just, you know, hearing that and she makes the most momentous decision at the end Mm -hmm. makes me wonder why it wasn't a story about Mac. Um, But, but, Really, you go through each of the four girls' journeys, and you're like, "Why isn't this a story just about KJ? Why yeah. wasn't this story yeah. just about?" And it's like uh, the ensemble vibe of it, uh, I think, is good. And it's not, 
I think it truly is an ensemble uh, show and book. It's not just here's a bunch of protagonists and they just pass the torch and we follow one or the other each yeah, time. No, yeah. Uh, they're all moving forward all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, except for KJ in volume two. Yeah. Well, but, but they're moving forward as a group. You know, the, the important right. thing is they're also building their chemistry yeah, yeah, as friends. Yeah. Even when, the, even when they're separated and split up, when they come back and they pair up and they're, they're grouped in different, different arrangements, whether, you know, you know, it, you know, it, it's, it's the, in volume two, it's the two, cause KJ is in there. It's the two errands. And then it's, it's Tiffany and Mac. And then in volume three, it's, it's Aaron and Tiff and, and, you know, Wari and Jumbo. And then, yeah. and then KJ and, and Mac are separated. And then in volume four, um, it, it's there again, everyone's all together. And then, then it's Tiffany and Aaron, the Tiffany's and Aaron, KJ and Mac again, were split right. up. So these different combinations, you can put them together and they're all growing into each other into the person they're going to be, the people they, they, they're going to become while doing that, you know, simultaneously growing in their friendships with each other. And I think the show is doing that very interestingly, again, by just pairing people up differently uh, in ways that they maybe didn't exist in the comics because maybe you like the energy those actors are, 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 are kind of giving to each other and knowing that any combination can work because it's all about advancing those characters forward. So however you, however you group them, whatever situation you put them in again, the the scene behind the convenience store with the tampon like right. that doesn't exist because the 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 period scene happens in eleven thousand seven hundred six yeah. prehistoric times so not much you can do about that but that scene right there that just does that's whole cloth invented and it's an incredible scene it's so good and you get and you get an incredible amount of character in that scene too you know yes. in terms of yeah. how everyone reacts what they're doing what they say, um, everything about how they're, how they're, 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 they present themselves, their body language, all about that. You get all the characters fully formed in that one little scene. And it's in, it's as long as the, as long as the focus stays on them and not that they sideline the time war, like, I wouldn't mind it if, if there's less focus on that, but I guess they need to have it's, some narrative thrust. It's supposed to be the backdrop. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And it was a little too in the forefront. However, I think the problem in the comic book is perhaps that it's really in the backdrop until more than halfway through. Mm-hmm. And it got a little too much like screen time, page time, to be in the background with no explanation for being that long. So yeah. I think what you and I talked about, I think over text, maybe the only thing we said was like, they just ripped the bandaid off. Yeah. They're like, you know, here's what's going on with that. Mm-hmm. That's not what we're, that's not our story. Yeah. Um, but that is present here. So you need to understand it because I don't want, I think you need to understand it for the sake of not being distracted by it. I, I, like, I, this I, is a character yeah. story. I, I, and I this hope, is the same. I hope that's how it's dealt with the fact yeah, that we, we got to establish why there is time travel and why the girls are, are pulled into this thing. What, what is it? Cause again, that's not the focus until, Volume five, really? I mean, you you, yeah. you, you you get backstory in four, but it's not until they go into the future, twenty one seventy one, when because that's when they that's when they meet Wari again. They learn that Jaffa right. grandfather is Jaffo. Um, yeah, this, and um, and then really then into six when Tiffany goes way into the future and learns about the dreams and things like that and how to end. Like so, it's right at the end. Last two volumes where you start understanding specifics about the time war. 
Because up until that point, it was just nothing that was happening. It was the it right. was the device to get things moving. By the way, and that so, was the other thing we didn't talk about was the dream sequences, which yeah. I you know I thought there'd be the opening one. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought there would be the KJ one uh, with her grandmother. Yeah, didn't have um, that. Yeah, and that was the other also, one. The, Mac was, had one as well. Didn't have one. Mac right. had one uh, in the library. So, uh, however, the ones they did, I enjoyed thoroughly. Yeah. Although that was another one where it looked like they were using like a TikTok filter deep fake instead of just getting an actor to dress and look like Ronald Reagan. Well, no, I, I think that, that 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 was intentional. Like we're gonna get someone. Who, I know it was. Who is reminiscent? Like you look at it and you're like, that's someone trying to be Ronald Reagan. I think I think that was the entire point. They weren't trying to I know. get Ronald Reagan. Well, but I thought the I thought it did look like there were some digital effects there might on have been. him. There might have been, and that didn't look good. Uh, I was watching in 4K, and I think a lot of things that got away on TV in uh, you know 1098, uh, 1080p, 1080p uh, doesn't quite cut it in 4K. Uh, I'm looking at you, CW, um, and and CW to me is the extreme of like overreaching. I don't think Paper Girls was overreaching in no. terms of uh, visual effects. They they didn't do really more than they had to, you know. They did their homage to the Matt Wilson colors, yeah, um, which were gorgeous. The skies and all that stuff look fantastic. Yeah, um, and I, and I think that's those are the more important visual effects. Yeah. Even though that's not that's not millions of dollars of CGI to change the color of the sky, mm-hmm. that's just knowing what button to push. I, I'd rather have that look good than than the robot fight. Then the robot fight look good. Then dinosaurs look good. Then them. Trying to be like, this is actually Ronald Reagan. They, the Ronald Reagan dream thing. I, I read that as like, like a winking nod. Like everyone knows to look like Ronald Reagan, but it looks enough like we're trying to look like Ronald Reagan. That I thought that was like a winking nod of the audience. But you know, eh, whatever. Uh, yeah, I agree. And well, that and it's it's the Ronald Reagan of Aaron's consciousness, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It does it not need to be, to be yeah, Ronald Reagan. It is a dream sequence, right? So. If they could have gotten Ronald Reagan, yeah, was an actor, by yeah. the way. If they could have gotten him, they wouldn't have because it wasn't yeah. real Ronald Reagan. Yeah. It was his, um, her projection of him. Yeah. So, so uh, anyway, uh, just overall, love it. Um, and I think we should probably wrap before we hit two hours. Yeah. You know, we're, we're quickly approaching on discussing one season of this as long as we did for two books worth of the – which is about right, about actually, right. Yes. in proportion. It, it really is. You know, effectively, it's volumes two and four mashed up. That's really kind of the. That's really kind of what we get in the in the show because you know we it's the time of adult Aaron and adult Tiffany in you know different points of their life. So that's effectively the the umbrella that the show is under. Even though they they pull things from from all over, which. It's the way to go, right? That the story is complete, so there's no reason to limit yourself to right. There's, to, to just there, telling that story, you know. And it's already been told in that form, yeah, the best way possible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's just there's just no reason to be a slave to absolutely the yeah. way the book wrote it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the book did what the book did. The show, I hope, does what the show is going to do. As long as they keep the essential themes yeah. uh, the same, you know, they're not changing uh, their theory of time travel. Yeah. They're not. Uh, fundamentally changing the four girls yeah. and um, you know the whole vibe of the show, and they're not basking in nostalgia the way yeah. the book didn't do that. Yeah. And, and so far, yes, they've made changes, but those core elements are still there. And that to me and, is like, yes, you've captured the essence and yeah. 
made a new thing. Yes. Yeah. And that's what I celebrate. That's that's the best kind of adaptation in my mind, for, especially for a comic. Doesn't get any better. Yeah. yeah. That, that's the best kind um, because, yeah, it, it's got to feel the same, but like I already have this story, so I don't need this story again. Give me the same feeling, get to the same end. But if you come at it from different angles, like I would expect you to do that. If all you did was try to copy what was in the comic, I'd be like, well, then wh- why make an adaptation? Like, right. What's the point? You know, so they've come it from different angles. They're 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 have different perspectives on things, which gives again. I, I think it it when you get more people in the room, more people thinking about things. You get smarter ways to address things that you know. You got the comics made by four people. You know, they're, right? They're, 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 there's the writer, the artist, the colorist, and the letter. That's it. All the decisions are made by those guys, and then probably their, their editor as well. Now you got a, a lot of people putting all this input in, and why not? change things that if someone comes up with a great idea, you know, a, a new way into the same problem, a yeah. new way out of the same problem, you know, a new viewpoint. And that's why you have a works. separate writer yeah. for the show because uh, I, again, you could, if they did season one of the show was volume one of the trade, this thing would absolutely would, not be coming back it'd be t- it'd be tough. For, yeah. vo- for season yeah. two. It just wouldn't. Yeah. And I love the book, but it's just not paced right for a TV show. Not Yeah. And, doesn't work that way. Uh, doesn't yeah. work that way. So anyway, uh, I celebrate all good adaptations. I know you're also basking in the glory of Sandman at the yes. moment. So yes, I just want and and Sandman, it, it that follows much closer to the comic, and it's great because they still make choices that streamline the story, but they are still effectively following what's laid out in the first two trades, and the story is basically so there are multiple ways in. It's all about understanding the material and not just replicating it. You can replicate right. it in so much as if you truly understand and absorbed what the story is trying to tell. You can then, once you've done that, your adaptation can go in any direction. I think the people who have done Paper Girls have done that. They, they have internalized what the story is truly about, and it's about character. And which is why the things that they've really changed have been about allowing the characters to have more room to give them more space to grow and really be fleshed out. And I think that that bodes well in my mind for future seasons that as long as they keep that thing intact, they can send the girls to any time. I mean, in any different situation um, and encounter things that were never even conceived about in the comic. They can do things and go on side adventures and all that stuff. As long as they hold true that, no matter where they do, no matter what time they're in, what they come across, who they come across, different versions of themselves. Right. Which, again, both would assume at some point a clone version from the future, whether it's clone Aaron or someone else. And we may have a Back to the Future meet your parents when they exactly, were your age. As I say, um, different, for, members, different members of their own family. They could do all this stuff there as long as they hold and, and, and keep the focus on what that effect has on those on those girls. Yeah. You know? Because – you know, they can yeah, meet their great grandparents, meet their grandparents, meet their ancestors, meet clone versions from the future, whatever it is, as long as the focus stays on those girls and and how it influences and, and, and affects them, I think the show can 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 really do no wrong. Um I think they have the latitude to to explore those things and always come back to the center, which is our four main paper girls. Yep. And with that, we will sign off in just under two hours. All right. But uh we we would love to keep the conversation going. If you've not yet listened to our book by book coverage of Paper Girls, 
then by all means dive in. Uh, you get it from the library, get it from your local comic shop, buy it from Amazon if you have to. I typically discourage buying trades from Amazon, but since they bought the show and made a good show, go ahead and buy a Paper Girls copy from we Amazon. We probably do that. Maybe Comixology. They did, you know, they did take out the line about Amazon. I know already. they did, and they but showed, they put an Alexa in. Well, and which, they, they also had Mac Ryder bike by a physical Amazon bookstore, which instead of a Walden books, th- that's yeah. a little bit of a like Amazon having physical bookstores is then that that's a whole other thing there. But you know, they paid the rights for the show. I guess they can do that. Yeah, they can. They can get a little self reference, yeah. uh, you know, because they they need the money, obviously. Yeah, definitely, yeah, <laughs> so. definitely, yeah. They just spent a billion dollars on Lord of the Rings. Yeah, they're, so, they're yeah. really hurting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bezos uh, is really digging for change in the uh, the couch cushions there. Uh, it's hard to find. It's I mean, space is expensive. Indeed, uh, indeed. So anyway, but, all yeah. right. Uh, well, thanks for listening. Uh, join us for our past book, Paper Girls. That's an evergreen show. We hope, and you can go back and listen to that anytime. Uh, as we prepare to release Grass Kings. Starting next week, yes. Starting next week, uh, followed by The Underwater Welder by Jeff Lemire, and then followed by Kill or Be Killed. And in Grass Kings, we have an exclusive interview with colorist Hillary Jenkins coming at the end of that series. Um, no shade at the two of us, but that is the most exciting episode of our podcast so far. Without question. Without uh, question. And uh, just you get to hear a little bit about... Um, the process for a colorist, which is something I've always been fascinated with, you know, where they are in the creative process and how that works. Uh, and I won't even attempt to replicate uh, her because she just lives it and knows it and uh, lets you hear from her directly. So that's all coming up in the future. Like and subscribe. Rate us uh, if you want to give us five stars on uh, any platform. Spotify is where more than 50% of our listeners are. So, uh, I think you can now rate shows on Spotify. Uh, if not, you know, download iTunes, rate us there, and then you can post it on Spotify. That's my awesome. Uh, anyway, thank you for listening. Have a great day. Peace.